I, I guess for Seth. I guess for Seth. Can't you, like, warn me a little bit? Yeah, hey, uh, we're recording. Oh. Oh, yeah! Ira, two-minute warning. Yeah, <laughs> That was a movie, wasn't it? Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about the movies where we don't write the intro first because Robert doesn't have an intro today. <laughs> don't, I didn't write it. I don't like that. No. Let's you wanna, go back. I think we You want to go back? Let's go back. Let's erase uh, it. Uh, Wait, right. no. Are you really? No. Let it fly. <laughs> let's just go. I could have helped you, though. Yeah, you could have. Yeah, but you didn't ask for my I help. I just wanted to go. I know. Let's fucking go. All right, go. so we're not going to have our clever little witty, but what will you do with the tie-in at the end? You've been good at that. How about this? How about, yeah. all about a podcast all about the movies that seem like Hollywood but aren't? That's a really good. How about that? I like that a lot. And the How reason about that I for li- on the fly? Yeah, I, li- I like that a yeah. lot. And the reason I like that so much is because this week we're discussing... 1956's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And? 1956's Invasion no, of the Body Snatchers. And... See, yeah, 1956's... No, 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 invasion no. of the Body Snatchers. Well, yeah, but say the years. 1956. And oh, some of them. Oh, yes, yeah, oh, the one that I'm discussing is 1978. <laughs> By the way, I was wrong last week when I said it was 1979. It was released in 1978, so I want to clarify that. However, to my credit, mm-hmm. it was released on December 23rd of 1978, so it's just a couple of weeks mm-hmm. shy of a 1979. That's eight release. days shy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've never done that before. Double up. This is like a double up. Yeah. Yeah. And our top five this week is our what? Our top Ira? five this week is. Out to getcha movies. Out to getcha. Out to getcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to be fun. Yeah, it is going to be fun. I've got some good ones. I I'm, have a question for yeah. you. Did you include either of our two Invasion of the Body Snatchers among your top five? I really thought about it. I thought about it, but too. You made a concerted effort not to. It's not I that think... I made a concerted effort not to. I thought about it and was like, this fits, and I would I would include it, but there's just others that are Yes. Robert, I had the same better. thought process as you, and I at first initially it was on, either mm-hmm. one or both. Mm-hmm. And I thought... I can do better than that. Mm. Cool. Good. <laughs> and speaking of our top Do you five, remember what our top five was last week? Last was? week, I sure do. Loss of senses mm. movies. Loss of senses. Losing we want my to, sense you're, of You're losing self. your sense of self. Uh, we, I want to thank all of our listeners. Um, and a lot of people, of course, agreed with us on Sound of Metal. God, I like that movie. Uh, Perfume was a thriller. I don't know I'm Perfume. I'm not familiar with that. There's a movie called The Fifth Sense I'm not familiar with that. You know what's really clever, Robert? End of the Sixth Sense. Yeah, the well, we talked about that. A Quiet Place. Yeah. And I really like that. I'm surprised I forget because obviously they couldn't talk. They could, mm-hmm. but they voluntarily chose not to because the bad people, the aliens, would hear them. So that was a voluntary letting go of a sense. There's a lot of problems with that movie, though. If you step you back, you didn't and- like it. You, it was you, just it was just a, a movie. It was just kind of candy, like whatever, disposable. But people made it into a big deal. Yeah, of they like, did. Wow, this yeah. was earth shattering. And I'm yeah. like, because nah. it was with Emily, and right, her husband right, directed right, it. Right, 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 right. And the sequel's out. They're waiting. They're stalling. They don't mm. want that to stream. They think, just, there were a lot of problems with well, it story wise. Of mm. like, we're it's okay being loud here, but not there, and stuff like that. So well, I liked it. So the movie called Hush. You hush. <laughs> I'm not familiar with Hush. Uh, another movie, Chef. Yeah, oh, oh, someone else wrote Johnny. Oh, Chef, that was the. Chef. What was that? He, uh, what's his name from Swingers? Um, oh. Yeah, he's cutting up food and uh, making out with women that are way too hot for him. Vince Vaughn. So, what sense is he lacking? Food. Food, buddy. Taste. Chef. Taste. Taste. Yeah. Taste. I mean, Johnny got his. You don't have good taste. Hey, I've but. got good taste. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. I'm here with you every week. <laughs> oh, Johnny got his. Gun. Got, Johnny yeah. got his gun. Now, yeah. let's talk about that. What sense is he lacking? <laughs> All of them. 
Is it all? Well, no, it's not. No, it's like, no. I mean, he can't move, right? Right. So, feel? feel? Feel. Was he blind? I'm trying to remember. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Dalton Trumbo. Well, there was also, what was the diving bell and the butterfly? Oh. That's a good one, that's too. Good. Sense of movement? Yeah. yeah. Senseless, somebody wrote. Now, I'm not familiar with the movie. That was Senseless. a comedy back yeah, in I, the, And I yeah. looked it up. Yeah. So, it was, um, uh, also, I want to say one more that I thought about driving home from seeing you. Netflix had that movie last year with Sandra Bullock where she was blindfolded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she voluntarily didn't want sight because when you see bird, something. Was it bird? Yeah, bird. Was Bird in the title? Yeah, not the Bird Cage. Not the Bird Cage. No, that was another movie. But voluntarily, they gave up the. (laughs) That was the movie that I wanted to be blindfolded for. (laughs) Um, Blackbird or something like that. Yeah, something Bird. Actually, she was good in that Mm -hmm. film. That was a streaming on Netflix. You're 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 almost there. I think that's it. Bird Box. I think it is Bird Box. So that too, I thought was clever and should have been included. And I also want to say one more piece of feedback, Robert. We got some flack. When we got a little bit... But hold on, before we get into yeah, that, yeah. what does it say about Santa Bullock's movie that we can't remember what the name of it is? Yeah, I know. But I did like Bird Box. Look up Bird Box. I think that's it. I think that is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Bird Box. We got a lot of flack, my friend. For from what? From multiple listeners. Our com- your comment about left-handed, left-handed people are a little bit, and I quote, <laughs> off, different, peculiar, something's lacking. I think I dropped I an in-bomb from... in last week's episode, but the left-handed no, comment is like funny. it's everybody That's upset. very funny. Yeah, yeah. So I just want you to know, my friend, that we got a little bit of flack about that. I, let's keep in mind, I, as I said, my brother and my father are both left-handed. That's yeah, but if I, I, I can't stand them, but I mean, that, <laughs> you said they're we're using words like unique, odd, weird, or different. Well, I started out saying they're weird, but then I was like, I, I was having trouble because that yeah. wasn't the right word; it had a negative connotation. And then you even kicked in. You were like, "Oh, I, need, I jumped on that." Yeah, we need somebody to kind of stir the pot, yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. absolutely." Yeah. Left-handed yeah. people yeah. stir the pot. Yeah. We need that in society. Yeah. Otherwise, we just be kind of drones. Yeah. They they are the spice of our oh look at you backpedaling look at you backpedaling but they are different there's a little bit of a difference between not necessarily bad or good just different just different actually it is more good because we need people like that to to agitate and to keep the creative juices flowing you know when when you hang out with somebody especially if they've done like a lot of acid. And you say something to them, and it takes them just a little bit longer to respond. Are them. you going to say that left-handed people have that quality? They have a, they You're just, doing it again. <laughs> See, you were doing a lot better. You were saving yourself. <laughs> and I was doing kudos to you, man. But look what you just did. You went deeper into the hole. And now we're going to hear from And I've got to get the brunt of those emails from people. Yep. I, you know, it, it's important to discuss these hot societal these, issues. Well, societal issues. Yeah, but saying that these people in our population are weird... But these are the societal issues. Issues! Now I finally got it. In the news. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't work it in. You're supposed to work it in. So smooth. So smooth. You're supposed to say, so, but these issues it, oh, you're right. will be covered uh, You told me to give one or two sentences prior to that. Yeah, And these very issues of which you discuss will be included in the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of these days we'll get a good showdown. We'll figure out what we're doing. What's going on in the news? Hey, a couple things I want to show. You sent me an interesting video, um, and it was of the top 10 movies of 2020. Mm -hmm. And you also made a comment that, you know what? They really weren't very good, were they? Yeah, the real. And this was, what was it? Was uh, Cineflix? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Cineflix, right? I'm not sure. No, no, no. Yeah, Cineflix, yeah. And they they do some great end of the year 
uh, summaries Re- of films in, in previous years. Yeah. Yeah. There just weren't enough films this year. Yeah. And it, they were left talking about like Bill and Ted, which we enjoyed. Which was, I mean, it was a good movie. Yeah, it did what it was supposed to but do. in any other year, you would never say absolutely. Bill and Ted was one of the best movies absolutely. of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm curious about Swallow. And I think you even said, mm-hmm. you acknowledged Swallow. And it's a movie I'm curious to see. Yeah. Yeah. That, that appeals to me, too. But I noticed that in the top 10 movies of 2020, they didn't include uh, The Midnight Sky. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Go figure. Because I think everybody who saw it was like, who cares? Yeah, I know. Hey, some- I, I've not talked to one person yet who liked it. Oh, yeah. No. All I've heard is everyone. Yeah. I got other emails saying it was so boring. What's, what's just- it doing on Rotten Tomatoes? Do you know? That's a great question. I'll look it up while Why don't you do that while I set up my second yeah. in the news piece? You ready? Yeah. There is an interesting article about Letterboxd. And what's going on with them and how, by the way, the headline of that news article was Letterboxd becoming a blockbuster. Now, this will show you my age because when I saw that headline, I thought of blockbuster going under and going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. That's not how they meant it. It's a blockbuster, meaning it's real popular now because of the pandemic. And they explained the appeal of blockbuster like IMDb is a database and that's all it is. But with blockbuster, you've got the movies and it's really cool because you can obviously write reviews and the reviews have a wide variance to them. Some are quite academic and intelligent. Others are more like edgy and very brisk. And it allows people to talk with one another and make lists. We were using Letterboxd for a while, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. on our podcast about what movies we should do and put it on a list and so on. So the subscribers of Letterboxd is just skyrocketing in large part because of the pandemic. Makes sense. It does make sense. Well, you, did you get the answer, by the way? I did, yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you in a minute. Oh, okay. Letterboxd, I think, is a good service. It needed to be... It needed to be done. I'm not sure how much people are really using it for social media. Although I did hear that they already kicked Trump off. Of... <laughs> he can't go on Letterboxd? He can't go on Letterboxd, yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. In all seriousness, did you hear that they kicked him off of Pinterest? No. They really did. Pinterest, what? from what I understand. Why? Just I, I didn't verify that, but it, I, someone had told me that. I believe it to be yeah. true. They weren't joking. <laughs> what's he gonna do go on there and like start saving pictures for I was gonna say, a wedding a or something like what's what do you they just wanted to get the news story out they wanted to jump on the bandwagon and be ridiculous. cool ridiculous that is ridiculous. although i think twitter uh instagram and facebook let him back on did you know yeah i think they they lifted the ban he can tweet no 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 instagram oh, fa- and i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah instagram and facebook wow wow yeah, yeah. i'd heard that i haven't checked it out inauguration is in a couple days mm-hmm. what are you predicting uh, i don't think we'll make it that far i think we all die i think nothing's going to happen you midnight sky yeah you want to take a what? guess oh you're about that's what you're checking just now yeah i'm gonna i am good at this you ready yeah the now, there's, there's rotten two tomatoes scores. There's yes two there scores. are the critics, the and, critics the and the audience so let's, well, okay, let's guess gr- each this is a great ira question yeah is there a huge variance between those two scores or are they kind of in the same ballpark What's a huge variance? Okay, of, of 15 points or greater. Yes. Really? Yes. Question number two, which got the higher positive approval what do you think? rating? I'm going to say, wow. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to say the critics gave critics. it a higher, gave it a higher yeah. than the people did. Yes, they but did. But I'm still saying, going to say. Wait, why would you flip that? I mean, well. The audience, they're, they're yeah. not liking this movie. Yeah. Well, no one. Okay. Are both scores under 50%. What do you think? <laughs> yes. No. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's certainly under 60%. Yes. Okay, all right. So, do tell. Critic score is? 
63. You said it was 160, but it's 52. 52 for the critics. Got it. 26 wow. for the audience. Yeah, yeah, there you have it. I love my comment, too, last week when we both really loved um, Sound of Metal. And I said, seeing this movie last week made me more angry about Midnight Sky. And you knew exactly what I meant. Yeah. That there was more of an emotional wallop in the first 12 minutes of Sound of Metal than there was the entire Midnight Sky. Well, you want to do the same thing for Sound of Metal? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, I like this game. We have a new game, Robert. What do you got? Uh, Let's do, should we do, well, they're both going to be very high, obviously. And I'm going to say that both are well over 80%. Yes. Okay. Let's do the audience one first. And you know, critics are going to be higher. Am I right? You are. Critics are higher. So I think the critics is going to be at 93. 97. And the audience is at um, uh, uh, 91. 91. I have my finger on the pulse of the industry. <laughs> what? Do I hear a laugh? Everybody says do, that. Do I hear a laugh? <laughs> I'm just laughing at anyone who would not agree with that uh, concept. Having my finger on the, something else. Okay. So those are my two points for In the News. That's it? What? You want more? Yeah. Well, but we talked about the 10 best movies of the year. We talked about Letterboxd. Is there anything else going on in the entertainment industry you want to share? No, not really. Okay, let's move on. Uh, well, I think there is a, a lot of fear about this whole censorship stuff and how that's going to affect Hollywood. You know, like as as we start getting into, can you start censoring people? I mean, have you heard these? Um, there's a big cry to remove Trump from Home Alone 2. And Macaulay Culkin even came out and said, yeah, we should take him out of Home Alone 2 to re-edit the film. Okay, now, first of all, Trump is in Home Alone 2? Oh, you didn't know that? I yeah. never saw it. But he has a cameo. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. You're not fucking with me. I'm not fucking with you. There's a big campaign about this. There's a campaign, Ira. There's a student petition going around Harvard trying to get the university to retract the degrees of people who supported Trump. Support him. Not of Trump, but of of his followers, of people who voted for him. That's crazy. Not only crazy, it's fucking scary. Wow. Do you ever feel like you don't belong in this society? I, I do when we talk about the abstract stuff like that. Like here, when I'm sitting across from you, no, I don't feel like that. When I'm with my friend, I don't feel like I don't belong. But when I hear like what's going on with other, like that whole concept just is so foreign to me. I I, I think we've let the, the lunatics run the asylum. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's predominantly like millennials who are raised on these strong fundamental ideas. And I still stand by what I said earlier. I think most of them behave this way because they want to be a part of something big. They want to be a part of some sort of big movement. The most important election of our lifetime. No, it really wasn't. I think other elections in our history were more important. But we like to feel like we're important. We matter. This is terribly significant. Right. Right. They want want to develop stories that they could tell their grandkids about. Right, right. And be like, I got this racist out of office yeah and it's like at what cost first of all i mean to tear apart the nation and and second of all i don't know we're not getting all politics about that stuff but but going back to home alone too and and editing him out yeah you believe that it's nazi germany world war ii all over again mm-hmm. that kind of censorship Anyway, wow! What'd you see this week? All right, well, I got to tell you. Unfortunately, must the f- no, that's the wrong one, isn't it? Summer old, summer do. I always do that. Time for the weekend review. However, Wait, this is uh, over two hundred episodes. Ira. <laughs> 
Well, I think it's kind of charming that I do the wrong ditty. Do you think it's charming? Our listeners are eagerly await for me to do the wrong ditty. It's part and I'm of no our... better because I forget half the time, too. I'm like, which segment is next? I don't know. I'll fucking figure it out. Hey, is anyone sponsoring this week in review? AVGearGuy.com Do tell. is sponsoring for now. I don't know how long he'll <laughs> want to do that. Uh, he is a professional. has been in business over 30 years of uh, transferring all of your non-digital media into digital media. This is, all, this is all of your slides, your negatives, your home movies, all of that stuff. He transfers it over to digital so you can put it on the computer, send it out in an email, share it with grandma, and uh, have her put it up on Facebook and share with all of her friends. We're both clients of his. We speak highly of him. His his uh, his prices are extremely you might reasonable. Be high. I'm not. <laughs> we really like the guy a lot. He does terrific job with state of the art equipment. State of the art equipment he's got. Yeah. com. Okay. Uh, what'd you see this week? I'm gonna go first. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Pool boys. Did it do what it was supposed to do? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Wait, wait, wait. Does it end with a Z? Pool boys. That's funny. That's too hip. That's ghetto. No. That's no. Ghetto. That's too ghetto. That ends with, with an S. Um, here's something I've been dying to mention to you. I've heard about this film. It came out in 1968, and it's called Candy. Does, you, does that mean uh-uh. anything to you? You are about to be blown away by this. Um, uh, Terry Southern, you know who he is. Uh-huh. He wrote the novel. He was involved in a lot of good stuff and novels and screenplays in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, he wrote the novel of Candy, and you know who wrote the screenplay? The screenplay was written by Buck Henry. Oh. This is weird, because this is right around The Graduate, mm-hmm. okay? The following people are in the movie Candy. Marlon Brando, Richard Marlon, Richard Burton, who? James Cohen. Uh, it's got um, uh, Walter Matthau, Ringo Starr, it's got an all-star cast. Oh, he was the singer of the Beatles. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah. You say goodbye, and I say... It's a horrible movie. It's misguided trash. <laughs> but it did what it's supposed to do. One more. Yeah. Are you out of this softcore porn thing? I saw this film about eight months ago, and I never mentioned it. And I saw it, it happened to be on regular broadcast TV called Breaks. Um, does this mean anything to you? And the premise is it's got Stephen Dorff, and he's a Secret Service agent. And he knows the bunker where the president is going to be kept in case of emergency. And the whole film takes place, he's kidnapped, in the trunk of a car. No. Yes. Yes. Uh, Breaks. Because car breaks. Get it? Yeah. And I I found it somewhat compelling, and I read all about this. There are two endings. It's got a double twist, and they're both for shit. Where one ending was semi-predictable. Oh, all this was just a test to see if he can be tested and if he's a good secret agent. But then they do another twist on top of that twist that's laughable. At any rate, that's what I saw. But one more. I've got to mention this. I've been dying here. You ready? Yeah. The following people were guests on What's My Line. No, listen, (laughs) listen. Olivia de Havilland. Okay. We're talking Billy Graham. Olivia de Havilland. She uh, she's still she, alive. No, she, I thought <laughs> uh, Billy Graham, Anthony Quinn, Janet Le- Janet Lee, and it was so interesting seeing her. Uh, and she was promoting Psycho, so this was in 1960. And here's what I've been dying to tell you: mm. George Stevens was a mystery guest. Wait, who's George, George Stevens? He is the producer and director of Shane, oh, A Place in the okay. Sun, Giant, and um, uh, Diary of Anne Frank. How about that? This is how he wrote he, Anne Frank's diary. He didn't. He didn't write it. He produced and directed these films. Mm-hmm. What a distinguished career! And seeing him as the mystery guest was just wonderful. Wow. So there is that, and I want to say a personal thing, if I may. 
that, you know, I'm on the Facebook page and I made comments. I'm kvelling. Do you know the word kvelling? It's yeah. a Yiddish expression yeah. because the son of Arlene Francis reached out to me and he's my buddy and we're now Facebook friends. He, he appreciated my comments and we we're talking about his mom and his father's Martin Gable. I don't know if you know who that is. Broadway producer. He was a regular on the show. I'm giddy. Are you just reaching I'm out to gi- the children of all these? Like, <laughs> you're like trying to find Alan Hale's daughter, you know? Oh, she's on my list. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what I saw this week. All right. What about you? Well, um, I have been watching, or should I say re-watching, Better Call Saul. Yeah. And Ira... I know you don't go in for a lot of TV shows like that. Like it's, it's hard for you to get into some of them. The show's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. It's written so well. It zigs and zags and like, ugh, every time you think it's going one way, it goes a different way. I've seen it all before and it still gets you. It's still riveting. There's just such good. It's, it is a masterclass in acting. Wow. You know, with Breaking Bad in the last season, you used to come over to my place and we'd watch together. And Breaking Bad is good. Yeah. But I, I'm really telling you, I think there's something about Better Call Saul. As I'm like, kind of stepping back and thinking about it a little bit more, I think it might be better than Breaking Bad. There's Whoa. just, there's more, more there. There's just, there's more layers and it's just, oh, it's so fucking good. Let's watch it together. Let's you, resurrect you what hands? we used to do. Let's cuddle. <laughs> no, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful TV, isn't yeah. it? Just quality writing, quality acting. I saw something else. Oh? Night Stalker, the documentary. Have Not you the seen TV this? show. No. no so no, no, this no. is a documentary about The Night Stalker. The serial killer in what Los was his Angeles. Name? Richard Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah. I remember when he was caught. How is that doc? Is it the first time you saw it? It just came out. Oh, then I yeah. guess it is the yeah, first yeah, yeah. time. It just came out. And um it's a really good documentary. And it's a fascinating story. Do you know much about what was going on? I really don't. Do tell. Okay. So first of all, it was it was mainly during the summer of 85, I want to say. It wasn't all that long. But he just went on these, like, he would go out and do multiple murders in a night at different places. And he would... Um, Wasn't it in our area? Oh, yeah. In, in, yeah. It where was, was in it? Los Angeles. Yeah. And it was, like, kind of near Los Angeles. See, right out that window, that hotel, that's right there i'm pointing at yeah that hotel is the hotel he used to live there he used really? to stay there and um and he also stayed at the bus station that's kind of you can if you adjust your viewpoint you could see the bus station right down the street and he was um he would apparently just get like just all ripped up on drugs and go around and just he was killing people and he would rape them and he would kidnap kids and sometimes let them go and sometimes not and just doing horrific things. I mean, these are, it's, it, if there is such a thing as demon possession, this is it. Like this, it's really awful. And he would, um, he, there, there was one instance where I think he had raped this nine-year-old boy and was then now raping his, the boy's mom and told her, don't make any noise. If you scream, I'm going to go kill your, your son and I'll kill you. And she said, I won't, I won't. I, I swear to God, I won't. And he said, don't swear to God, swear to Satan. And he kept making her say, I swear to Satan that I won't scream. And he was just doing like these really fucked up things. And um, they started finding clues. Like there was a there, there was a, a shoe print. And they were able to figure out what kind of shoe print it was. And because there were a few survivors, they were the survivors saw that his shoes were black. There were only six 
uh, size 11s of that shoe in black that ever made it to the United States. Right, right. And like five of them went to Arizona and one of them went to Los Angeles. And so they were able to identify this wow. is the guy. And it's a very specific shoe. And it's also he, the, the gun he was using, the type of uh, shell casings, had this red primer on it. And they didn't make that anymore. So it was old um, ammunition. And so they knew that this ammunition was very specific too. And so they were finding all these clues. They are finding all of these links to this the same guy, same guy. And he would like kill old people and young people and Asians and, and you know, white people. It didn't matter. He would just go around anywhere and just find somebody and be like, I'm going to kill that person. And just totally fucked up stories with it too. Didn't the public the community, that, that they I remember, I remember when this happened and when they got him so and the, the citizens helped. I didn't know this. I, I know yeah. a lot about serial killers. I know. I didn't know yeah. about how he was caught. It yeah. was fascinating. How tell? So he came in on the off the bus station. He was on the on a Greyhound bus coming back into Los Angeles. Uh, he had left and they were looking for him and they thought he was going to be leaving, but he had actually already left and came back in while they were looking for him. And when he came in, he saw the police and he kind of got creeped out and he ran and jumped on a city bus. And when he got on the city bus, someone was there and they, they saw, they were reading the newspaper and his face was all over the newspaper. Um, actually, I think he went into a convenience store first and they said in the convenience store, he's, that's when he saw the paper and he got, got creeped out and everybody kind of noticed him and he ran out and jumped on the bus, on the city bus. And people were looking at the newspaper and kind of turned around and saw him. On, and, like, this is out of a movie, but this actually happened. They started noticing him, and then the guy that noticed him got off the bus and started making a phone call and, like, got onto a phone booth and started calling somebody. Ramirez figures out that he's been spotted, so he jumps off the city bus and starts making a run for it. And as he's running, people start chasing him. Wow. And start, yeah, you know, yeah. calling for the, yeah. the police and everything, and they're chasing him. And they chase him into this neighborhood, and... All of these, like the citizens come and converge, and one guy pulls a, a like a metal rod, and they're like beating him over the head, and they're gonna fucking kill him. And it, I mean, especially could you imagine if this is the wrong guy, you know? But it, it, thank goodness it wasn't like this piece of shit. And the cops come and they, you know, they arrest him and they put him in the, the back of the car. And he's like spitting at everybody, and he's like you know throwing his tongue out at him and everything, and and acting like a, you know, a maniac and. The whole the citizens are like we're gonna fucking kill this guy, and then they there were like hundreds of people that went to the Hollenbeck station where he was arrested, like uh, arraigned and everything else, and he, it was crazy how the community is what caught him. Incredible. Is he in jail now or is he dead? Dead. He died of died cancer. From what cancer? He got the death penalty, but they never got around to killing him. He died of cancer. Hmm. Does that seem a little circumspect? No, I don't think no, so. Died from cancer. Yeah, I just yeah. think he died of cancer. Yeah. Now I've got to bring this up. Yeah. One of your issues, you brought this up with other movies about killers, is that when they capitalize or sensationalize, and there's money to be made, you've always had an issue about that. Did what you I react don't like. The same way. What I don't like. Let me clarify. I don't like when they romanticize the killer. Well, in, and that this film did not do that. Got it. This film very much. I guess like. It bothers me when I see it, usually when it's um, biopics about killers. Right, that right. usually is what right. tends to bother me. Right. Um, I don't mind biopics about cops that are like mine hunters for whatever, for example, where they're chasing the killer. That's fine. 
um, there's that's clear villain. But when you're starting to make the the villain the protagonist, um, that starts to become problematic. Especially when we generate sympathy yes. and backstory. And we saw the person as a child and, and why the person is the way he or she is. Right. I think that's what bothers but you. I do, yes. But I do think there, there's there are some ways to do it where you're not really romanticizing. For example, like um, my best friend Dahmer, I think, yes. did an, a good job of yeah. like, this guy's a fucking creep. Oop, there's yeah. your phone. Do you hear that right now? I do. Yeah, it's in my ears. Yeah, Bluetooth. Somebody's calling me. Uh, it'll be over another 18 seconds. You can't. Go ahead. You can't. Well, it, can the cell off? phone's down there. Can you so, mute what, it? There's nothing I can do. So we're almost oh, not... Brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it just stopped. Thank you, Producer Joey. <laughs> Next time, can you uh, just click it off? What You should put it on mute, Ira. This is a great Even show. Even if it's on mute, it will still... Put it on Do oh. Not Disturb. Yeah, put it on Do Not Disturb. You'll show me later. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> anyway. Dahmer backstory sensationalizing. Yeah, so I don't, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that in that situation it's romanticizing, right? So with Dahmer, it was a little different. But there's a lot of these movies that, like, you know, there's some Ted Bundy movies that have come out that, you know. Biopics. Yeah, right, it's right. kind of like, this is, like, glamorizing almost. Right. And, um, and I think that's, that's messed up. And this film, I, documentaries don't bother me at all because the documentary is like, here's what happened. And it's almost always the documentary is told from the police's perspective. It's, mm -hmm. let's try to catch this guy. How do we catch him? And I think there's a lot of value in those. Right. So, no, this film did not bother me in that way. Ramirez, he was simply misunderstood. Man, he goes, goes into court and starts drawing pentagrams on his really? hand and stuff. And he was drawing pentagrams on the crime scenes, you know, when he was there. And, like, this fucking piece of shit. It's awful. Some of the things he was doing to people. There were apparently a lot of uh, kitty crimes that he had done. Really? Like molestation and murders and things like that. And they didn't prosecute. Um, they didn't prosecute those because they, they said there was – they they had him for the adult stuff already and they were like this is done are we why are we going to re-traumatize these kids why are we going to bring them out right, right have them sit up on on the stand and like have to face this guy right, like, right fuck it right and at first you're kind of like well don't you want justice for that and then it's kind of like no nah, he's we got him it's the same end result right yeah what's so, the name of this documentary it's called the night stalker mm -hmm. yeah it's on netflix right right Cool. Anyway, saw that, saw the Muppet movie, and uh, saw... Oh, wait, wait, the Muppet? Yeah? Yeah. You saw the Muppet? The yeah. original? Yeah. I liked it a lot. Well, I, I'm trying we to... We talked about it. Yeah, and recently, because I think Madeline watched it, and uh, I wish she wanted to watch it again, so we watched I love it. Rainbow Connection. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And then I saw... I love that shot where he's riding the bicycle. Yeah? Yeah. You know, it's very short in the first one. It's the... Uh, when the Muppets go to Europe, what's the Europe? I was about to say European vacation. No. What's it called? The uh, no. not Muppets take Manhattan. What's no. It? Great Muppet Caper. Ah. In that one, that's the one where they're riding the bikes. It's like a whole group of them. Where oh, all okay. Riding the bikes. Okay. There is a bike shot in the yeah. first one, but yeah. Okay. It's just Kermit, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just it's just Kermit. Yeah. But it's a cool shot in yeah. 1979. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. And then I saw Shooter. Shooter. Yeah. Yes. Now you know, let's talk about you know this, this movie. I do. You want to know who stars in it? Who? Who? I know who stars yeah, in it. I'll tell you what. 
I would like you right now to give me either two or three names, and I'll tell you who the star is. Seriously, right now. Uh, okay, Steve. No, Carl. Fred. Fred. No, none of the above. Okay. Uh, Mike. No. No. M- Mick. No. Uh, <laughs> Mark. Yes. You're surprised, right? I love the smile you're giving me because it's, it's Mark Wahlberg, and it's actually a very satisfying movie, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was appreciated as much. I like that movie a lot. It's so okay. there. It's okay. Well, I, it's it did cheesy. what it was supposed to do. Yeah. I, I know. Although, um, I was watching it with Bruce Joey, and she pointed out that you can see Kate Mara's uh, boobies in that. That's why I liked it. I, I was looking down at the moment. I was like eating some soup. You're eating I, soup. I, I looked down at for a brief boobies? moment. She goes, "Hey, there's Kate Mara's boobies," and I was like, "Ah!" And by the time I look back up, they you were could down. rewind. Seemed kind of inappropriate to do with my wife sitting right there to rewind to look at some boobies. Really? Huh? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> no, I like Shooter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, you re- want to talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? And Robert, talk us through it. Now, how are we going to do this? This, we're we're venturing Robert in a new territory. Well, okay. Should we alternate or should we kind of do it together? Well, I think the because okay. the basic basic premise is the is same for both that a a town is overrun by pod people, right? The uh, the this there's a plant invasive species that winds up creating a like a uh, an exact duplicate. Down to the memories, down to the actions, down everything. Except fingerprints, that was addressed in the remake. But go ahead. I don't think that I don't think they addressed that in the original. Okay. But they replace the original person, and they're slowly kind of taking over, and you don't know who's who anymore. But they are expressionless and emotionless. Right. I think that's kind of the same oh, yeah. storyline for absolutely both, both with, movies, with right? a different ending. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how do we tackle this discussion? I, I don't was know. up till three in the morning thinking about the pros and cons of either approach. Well, <laughs> why let, don't you go first? Let me go first because yeah. mine was first. Right? I agree. Yeah. 1956, uh, black and white, Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. This really put Kevin McCarthy on the map. Yes. Right? And, and the ending sequence of this movie is fantastic. It's classic cinema of uh, you know him running down the street. I, I guess like not the very last scene, but the last scene for all intents and purposes is him running down the street. Climax. Yeah. Uh, yelling at all the cars like they're coming for us. They're coming and trying, you know, screaming for everybody like they're they're coming and and, and no one really paying attention. Like, You're drunk. Get out of here. Yeah. It's a great scene. Yeah. Right, where he's just running, weaving through the cars, trying to get everybody's attention. Which they recreated in my movie. Yeah. And I did something for Robert. I even sent you a photograph. Didn't yeah, you I? did. It's yeah. cool. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but so. It, it really centers – so Kevin McCarthy's character is a uh, doctor, Dr. Mills Bennell, and he's um, – he is reunited with his uh, his long-lost love. Who's, she's been gone for five years, uh, Becky Driscoll, played by Dana Winter. Yes. And uh, it, she was a little piece of something, let me tell you what. 1956, Dana Winter. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's that wearing movie that low-cut low dress yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. In the 78 version, she's totally naked, by the way. Oh. There's a wonderful scene where we see her. But go ahead. That's why you wanted to watch the 78 version. <laughs> Got it. I understand. Because I, in the 1956 version, she just she played with a pussy, but it was kind of like, you know, it was black and white. Yeah. You know, you really want it in color. Yeah. yeah. But she was like. You know, yeah. just, when you start mixing your pussy juice with your ass juice, yeah. it's like, eh, oh, come Robert, on. We were doing so well here, weren't we? We were? Up to this moment. Yes, go ahead. 
So they're making out. They're fucking. And anyway, so they, they're they trying to get to the bottom of the whole pod people thing. And they uh, they, they start to uncover what's going on. And, and slowly the, they, the townspeople start giving them chase. And they run to a cave. And they can't fall asleep, can't fall asleep. And she finally falls asleep. And boom, she turns into one Robert, of Robert, was the song Amazing Grace played in that film? It was played in the remake, and I was trying to remember if it was in your version of the 50s. I don't think so. Do, 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 do. Okay, with the falling asleep stuff. Got it. And, well, let's talk about the movie that you saw. Yeah. By the way, I was going to call you a few days ago and say, can we flip it? Can I do the 56 version and you do the 78? It's. I still want to see the 56 one again. Yeah. And and I, I want to say that obviously things that we've even discussed in previous podcasts, that it was a beautiful extended metaphor. Yeah. For the McCarthy era and the Red Scare and all that, that they're all over the place. And I, I know I shared this with you before, and let me say it again, that there was pressure from the federal government to it, the ending, the very, very end, where the whole movie was told in flashback, right? And the get me the FBI. And and they put a, a prologue and an epilogue, and it's got that good, thank God, he's finally believed ending. And the federal government was pressuring that because in the original version, it didn't have that ending, Get Me the FBI. And Pyrrhus, when they show the film in theaters at midnight, they show it the way it was originally supposed to be seen hmm. without that ending. I think even though the ending, he finally is believed at the end of the 1956 version, there's the way it's shot, there's still some ambiguity to it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's an emergency. We got to get on this. And that's kind of how they leave it. And it's like, but there's hope. Yeah, there's hope. But that's all you got. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And he also looks exhausted. It looks like he might. There is a look that kind of crosses his face where he's like kind of insane, dead, um, dead emotionally. Okay. And I think maybe you could make an argument that maybe he just turned, arguably. Oh, I didn't even think of that. But then why would that's he an call the FBI? Well, the other guy's calling the FBI. You're right. And he just kind of gets calm. Yeah. And he just settles in. And, there's an argument there yeah did you like it no it's a piece of shit it was great yeah uh, no it uh, it was great it was uh it, it was awesome it was uh as I, I was watching it with producer joey she was really enjoying it too and we were commenting like the music is really good yes yes it's written really well yes everyone cooperates in this movie and man i, I love that in horror movies where everyone is working for the common Goal. No one does anything stupid. The only stupid thing that happens where someone does something that you're like, why would you do this? There's a um, friends of Kevin McCarthy's character. He's the the town doctor, and they call him and they say, "Hey, you're there's a dead body over here." They go to over to the house and they see this dead body kind of laid out on the pool table, and they start to kind of put it together of like, well, everybody else has been reporting that there's other uh, mysterious people that are taking their place. I wonder what's going on here. And they're like, keep an eye on it tonight, and then call me if something happens mm. with it, and I'll come back in the morning. And the guy's like, okay. And then it cuts back to them later on, and the guy who's supposed to be watching the dead body, his own dead body, he he gets drunk and falls asleep. And it's kind of like, really? That's what you're gonna do? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you you're an alcoholic at that point if you can't if you can't handle just watching yeah, your yeah, own dead yeah, body yeah, for a few hours. Yeah. yeah Sheesh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was a good movie. You know, it everybody was, behaved logically. Everyone behaved logically. Yeah, I get that. Um, 
It was filmed really close to where we are, yeah. off the 210 freeway in Sierra Madre. Uh-huh. And if you go uh, two miles north, I've been up there. And the whole town square and there are restaurants there. And I had a, a blind date there about 12 years ago. And I knew that this was the same area where they shot the original movie. And it was kind of a thrill to, to be there. There's I, a, a huge staircase. That I can only imagine it's still there. Yeah. Yep. 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 And it was directed by uh, Don Siegel. Don Siegel was very close with Clint Eastwood. And in fact, with Clint Eastwood's directorial debut of Play Misty for Me, mm-hmm. Don Siegel was on the set every day and kind of was taking Clint through the paces. They were very, very close together. But something Don Siegel said in an interview shortly before he died, he said, I don't regard myself as a filmmaker. I'm a storyteller. I just like that. Hmm. There's something about that, that for him, it's all about story. I you know, his story. last words were, were Clint Eastwood sucks. <laughs> Um, yeah. Can I tell you something? Please. Guess who has a cameo in this movie? Guess who is an actor in Invasion of the Body Snatchers? You have a cameo in yours. You oh, I have three. Can't, you said Kevin McCarthy is the cameo. That's an incredible shot. Yeah. In in, in the 1978 version. Right. Guess well, who is in and the Let me say one more thing version. before we get to that. Yeah. Even Don Siegel is in the remake. Oh, Isn't that interesting? Okay. And Robert Duvall is in the opening scene. Oh, is he? Yes, on a swing. And I read that, and then I watched it. It's a weird, eerie scene where it's starting. It's starting. These people are not normal. And he's just on a swing, swinging back and forth, looking comatose. I always had trouble with that word. Comatose. I I know. I always mispronounce that for you. But isn't that interesting? Uh, Like, why would he do that and just have a tiny part? I love Robert Duvall. And he was a known actor at that time. Yeah. It wasn't like... It wasn't like... That was uh, post-Godfather. Yes, and that's so interesting uh, because it wasn't like a, a To Kill a Mockingbird where he was an unknown. Right. This was after that, but he wanted to be in this film. He's in the opening shot. I'm sorry. Go ahead with what you were saying. There's a cameo in your movie. Yeah. And it's, I'm going to be surprised to hear this, aren't I? Yep. I love it. Well, I'm not sure if I can guess. Can you, Give me a hint or two. He. Okay. That cuts down by 50% of our society. Is a director. Known for being a director. You're never going to get it. No, I won't. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Sam Peckinpah. You're kidding. No. Does he have dialogue? I, I don't think so. I think I think maybe there was a line or two. Yeah. But he's <sighs> Sam Peckinpah was in it. And I noticed it was like, wait a minute, because he's in the credits. And I'm like, Sam Peckinpah? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Like, is that the same second That's just fucking and, crazy. Uh, same, Pe- same Peckinpah? Peckinpah? Same Sam Peckinpah? That's oh, so, my gosh. Yeah, I can't say yeah. it. Yeah. But I looked it up and it was him. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. I yeah. love that. I love that both movies went out of their way to do that. Um, yeah. It's crazy. And again, in my version with uh, with with Robert De Niro and you know, Don Siegel. I, speaking of, we were talking and, about the Muppet and, movie earlier. Yes. I was looking at all these cameos. Do you realize how many fucking cameos are in the Muppet movie? It's insane. The, we talked about this a couple of years ago. I, Go ahead. I know. It was like Steve Martin, Steve Mar- uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, not Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. Um, Orson Welles. Or some Wells, yeah. There was uh, Edgar. What, what's his name? Um, Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise, yeah. The guy who uh, um, is Mel Brooks in there. No. no. Oh yeah, yeah. Mel Brooks is, is, he, is in is there. He is in there. It's like everybody from I the seventies is in that I movie. I know. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's really cool that both movies went out of their way to include cameos. So walk us through the 1978 version. Same thing, the same version. Our hero here is Donald Sutherland, who is I love this. He's a health food inspector. And there's an interesting metaphor because the opening shot, it's a ritzy restaurant and he's in the kitchen looking at the soup saying, what is this? And the French, and he's saying, no, it's not. It's rat turd. 
And that's kind of interesting to set it up about impurities, mm. impurities in our in our society. And that's what he does. And along the way, it's a very similar storyline, but, and, and we see his, the, the girl, blah, blah, blah. You know what's ex- exceptional is the cast. In the 78 version, these three guys Why? with Donald, the three of them together with, with, with Donald Sutherland and with, uh, what's his name? Who am I thinking of? Um, uh, uh, Steve the, McQueen. No. Get your sheet. Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. No, Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum. I, about two years ago, Robert, I sent you a publicity photo uh-huh. of the three of them. And I said, look how young Jeff Goldblum looks. With a movie with these three people, how could it not be good? And Jeff Goldblum, I want to say that it was only a few years later that he did The Fly. Right. He was in these two incredible sci-fi horror movies. And I just thought that was... And that was before he be- he went to full Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, <clears throat> Yes. I, it was after Jurassic... Jurassic Park was like the beginning of... The shtick? Of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff Goldblum. Is that like kind of gnawing to you? Uh, I like it. It's just... That's how, I, you- that's how I'm <laughs> You know, it's very good. It's, it's, it's uh, Jeff Goldblum. That's, that's what I do, you know. You got to go down. Much. The 78 version, the plot involves the San Francisco health inspector and his colleagues who discover that humans are being replaced by alien duplicates. Each is perfect copy of the person replaced, but devoid of human emotion. And I saw the movie, Robert, when it first came out. It actually, it was a Writers Guild screening that my good buddy got me into in 78 at the Bruin Theater which was featured very heavily in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw it and I brought with me the drama teacher from the school I was teaching. And I'll always remember this with that famous ending, that famous ending where she, the drama teacher next to me, screamed, fuck! It was that disturbing. And seeing that in the audience with a live, it was just really a powerful ending. Uh, spoiler alert? Yeah, why not? It's got a different ending where it looks like we're going to lose to these these aliens and the camera zooms in on Donald Sutherland's mouth. And it's that same noise. It's that same noise that we hear early in the film. And he points a finger because there's a real human there who hasn't turned yet and makes it. Aah! And the camera zooms in and it's an incredible ending. It's really powerful stuff. I want to say that in my version, the 78 version, cinematography by uh, Chapman. And he did Taxi Driver and a lot of good movies. You're going to love this. They watched, the director and the cinematographer watched your version, of course, prior to filming. Oh, really? Yes, obviously. And they wanted it to be film noir, but in color film noir, which almost contradiction because noir means black. And it wasn't black and white. However, with what they did with the muted tones, and it's dark with shadows. And it is an example of a color film noir. The cinematography is gorgeous. I wonder if you could watch it, like strip the color out and watch it in black and white. That would be very interesting. I bet it'd hold up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, okay, so when I saw it, I saw it on video the first time I saw the 1978 version. And I remember it kind of being okay, but kind of a little sluggish. Um, kind of like Omega Man. There were parts of Omega Man that were awesome, and there were parts that were like, like, get on with it a little bit. Like the opening of Omega Man was incredible, but then I find that a lot of movies in the 70s were that way, where it was kind of like, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of like, all right, here we go. Come on, let, let's get going a little bit. And that's how I felt with this. But the ending, I was like, whoa. I, I had to rewind a couple times. The ending, yeah. they just stuck the ending. They nailed yeah. it. 
Donald Sutherland might be the greatest By the shot way, he's ever done. I agree. And um, the camera does zoom in. They did not have a still photograph and do it pro- while processing because you can see his lip quivering while he makes that noise. So it's an actual moving shot. Right. It's not just a still zooming in on a still. Yeah. And you could, it, it, it was so fucked up. Yeah. And and I because you think that he's yes he's because good. you don't see he's, him fall asleep right when I I knowing what I know and watch the movie again the other night he does not fall asleep so we're assuming he's okay yeah and uh, you'll love what I'm about to tell you uh, Philip Kaufman who's an iconoclast isn't he he's he's an auteur yeah he's he's an interesting guy when you look at the movies he's directed and he didn't want I don't know what was in the actual screenplay but it was the night before filming that last shot where he told. Donald Sutherland what was going to happen he didn't want Sutherland to know that through the filming of the movie isn't that interesting oh. and and I, I get that yeah. and the girl he's with a friend's wife and she lets out a scream when she sees what happened to Donald Sutherland they didn't tell her they didn't tell her that Donald Sutherland was going to turn at the end when the camera zooms on on her face aghast with her eyes wide she starts shaking that she was not prepped for what Sutherland was going to do hmm. it makes sense that they, that they would do it that way. I want one more piece of trivia. See, if it was well, you in that situation, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Aren't we supposed to be doing the take where you're... <laughs> what? That's not what's supposed to happen. That's not what says in the script. Ira, go with it. Well, I, but that's not what we planned on. <laughs> you know, I want to say one more thing that I, I did read, and I think you'll you'll appreciate this, that they went out of their way with Donald Sutherland to give him curly hair because mm-hmm. they wanted it. To, he did an important film a few years prior called Don't Look Back, where his hair was very, very curly. And the director. Oh, it wasn't Animal House? Well, that one, too. Was his hair curly in that film? Well, he was, <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know. know. But they, I just remember seeing his ass in they, Animal yeah, House. Yeah, right. I remember that. I remember yeah. seeing his ass. And the director, and the same thing with Leonard Nimoy, who we associate with Star Trek. And he thought getting a resemblance, and I get this, will add a layer of texture that we saw Donald Sutherland like this a few years ago in a different movie, and we know Leonard Nimoy was in Star Trek, and I get that, how that's another layer that mm-hmm. subconsciously, it 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 works. Mm-hmm. It, it it adds to the whole thing. I just thought that was kind of fascinating. What, what, you're looking I was just at... thinking about Len- Leonard Nimoy's book. Then he released a book that was like, I am not Spock. I'm not Spock. And then right. a few years later released another book that was like, I am Spock. I am Spock. <laughs> <laughs> That was around the same time that Leonard Nimoy did the singing on. The, they were releasing yeah, albums yeah, at that yeah. time. William Shatner did yeah. did one too. But um, yeah, I just thought this was. They're both great movies. I know what you mean about a little bit. It lags a little bit. Yeah. I get that. Maybe it could have fourteen minutes of editing. Maybe and tighten maybe. it up a bit. But uh, man, I look how I still remember all those years ago seeing it in the theater in '78 in that last shot. Just, I, I think I figured it out. And I, you remember that video that I sent you about um, Kevin Smith movies? Did, did I send it to you? I'm not sure if I sent it to you or if I, don't I was know telling if you, you about it. I don't know you sent me that one. But th- there was a video that I saw about why Kevin Smith is not a very good director. And it was made by yes. a fan who used to love him and adore him. And now he's yes. kind of moved on past Kevin Smith and looking at him. And uh, he shows something. He shows clips of Kevin Smith's movies. And in it, it's like, oh, that's why they're always there are scenes that are so awkward and it's because kevin smith doesn't really know where to put the camera he just kind of sets the camera on a tripod and just the actors are standing there and there's no real movement Mm -hmm. nobody really knows where to go or where to stand because they haven't been told where to do it and 
I think that was a problem with a lot of films in the 70s. There was a lot of just, we'll put the camera here and we'll just start rolling. And you guys kind of figure it out. And it was it's almost like a play, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't be a play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a... It's a screenplay. It's it's, it's different than a, a play. It should be sh- these shots are part of the language, and you're, you're not taking advantage of that. Right, right. And it might be beautiful cinematography, but I know in a lot of scenes, it's just kind of there. Right. The camera's just set up, and it's just recording what what's being said, and it feels kind of phony. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And it starts to get boring. Right, That's right. That's what happens. A lot of the black exploitation stuff, like Shaft and things like that, a lot of those movies were very much shot that right, way. Right, right. I know what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. But again, the cinematography in the 78 version was truly outstanding. Okay, well, with, and it just, yeah, but you don't... It's, you been, know, it's been many years since I've seen it, so you know, I could be wrong. Chapman, he did Raging Bull. Oh, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, both were just great movies. I like how we did this. And obviously both movies too being a metaphor. We already spoke about how your version was a metaphor and mine too about conforming. Mm. I think there's something you said about, you remember Muzak and elevators and yeah. malls and all that. You certainly got that vibe. But um, do you think fun to split up with that the That this movie's metaphor holds true to today's time. Ah, there you go. Of either of our two movies, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I certainly see it in a lens that Absol- I want to see it in. Yes. I mean, uh, and maybe that's confirmation bias, but... Confirmation bias. Absolutely. It just seems like there's a lot going around yes. about uh, believing in this way and, and kind of behaving in this way and scary stuff. Absolutely. In fact, I think it's part of the reason why we decided to do that yeah. this week. Yeah. And it is a metaphor. Both movies right. are a metaphor for what's going on. And, and we talked about how even with your version with McCarthy era and being a metaphor that that's I've referenced what's going on in the real world to the McCarthy era right now. Yeah. You know, and holding up a laundry list. And the, the, I saw the following people attend a communist party meeting mm-hmm. where people's lives and careers were ruined, ruined. And having to use aliases, you know this so well, uh, as a screenwriting credit and so on. And it was years and years later before they got any of their notoriety and now it's And now it's happening again. I went to a Trump rally yeah, and your th- career is ruined. Absolutely. So there you go. And they're giving Matthew McConaughey a hard time because he's starting to associate with a lot of the people on the, on the right. And it's like, fucked up. These are scary times. Yeah. Yep. The metaphor stands. Absolutely. Money shots. Yes. Well, what's your money shot? It's got to be the end. It's got to be the last 18 seconds. (laughs) The last 18 seconds. It's that blood curdling scream. I watched it carefully knowing what I knew and remembering it. And it, it, it packs a punch and it's so fucked up and unnerving. Weren't they like in a, is it like a nuclear reactor or something? There was some sort of factory in your movie at some point. There There was, and it's, there was like harvesting and it was almost like, it was like, it felt like it had a vibe of like a greenhouse. It wasn't a nuclear reactor, but there were a lot of pipes and the ladder and the climbing and yeah. stuff. And yeah, there was a lot of that. But for me, the most disturbing scenes were in the mud bath. You might remember this, the first third of the oh, movie, we're right. at the mud bath and where bubbles were coming up and we see the first body that's not quite complete and hasn't transformed yeah. yet. And the hand that goes underneath and pulling it up and it's it's a fucked up moment, a wonderfully fucked up. And by the way, there's another quick shot, which maybe would also be a money shot. And that's the famous dog running. Do you remember the banjo player? No. And that the pod gets confused and merges the two into one being. And you see a fast shot of a little dog running down the street 
with a human head. I don't remember. Yes, the pods merged by mistake and you have a freak pod and that's a fucked up scene. I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. You know, there's a dog in the 1956 version too. Was there really? Uh, Not the same thing, but there's a dog crossing the road there. They... Uh, so Kevin McCarthy and uh, and Dana Winter they wind up beating up all the the pod people that are coming for them and they run out of this uh, this office space and when they do they're like okay act calm and you know pretend that you're you're one of them and just you know walk normally emotionless and she's like okay yeah so they're kind of trying to act calm and they're just very calmly walking through and everyone's kind of suspicious looking at them but they're like oh maybe they're part of us now and then this dog goes running out in the street and a car almost hits it and she screams she's like ah cuz she's like We're, and that gives them away yes. and now everyone knows yes hey you have emotions and they start coming for them that's really interesting that yeah. the dog is in both versions and i love that kevin mccarthy was brought back for this remake for sure. with that famous i just love that yeah yeah um, both just terrific movies. I wonder, you know, we've played before the game of IMDb. Like, what's their top? Um, oh, for Kevin? Yeah. Well, we know what one's going to be. Well, I think one of them might be... The remake? No. No. No, of course not. UHF. Oh, that's right. Because he was in UHF. Okay, go there. First one is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Second one is UHF. There you go. Yeah. And then in Has Inner he... Space, and the fourth one was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The like, remake? Yeah, the remake. That's funny. Well. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't really in that no. much else, was no, he? No, he was. He was, was of, like, being, he, was, he seemed like such a nice guy. I don't know. He just seemed like a good, good yeah. man. Yeah. Anyway. I remember in your version, in the cave, aren't they in the cave that yeah. they don't fall asleep? I yeah. remember all that. Yeah. They're hiding under the, yeah. the, the yeah. boards the, in, the, in the mining cave. And your money shot. Of course, the final scene here where he's running up and down the street yelling for everybody yeah, with, to... With the pods, the trucks, right? Yeah. There were trucks on the freeway yep. with pods. Yeah, he jumps in the back of the truck, looks in the back of the truck and sees it's all loaded up with pods. Yeah. Also, the, when we see the the pods start... The, there's like a greenhouse that is attached to somebody's house and there's pods there and they open up and there's all of these pods that are... Um, uh, that have people in them and there's a bunch of bubbles and it was very yes. kind of disturbing and like kind of I don't know, it's interesting that was a, a cool visual how was the sound in the remake the sound was incredible where it was you good. saw I mean, yeah, the music was this, really good the music and the they sound didn't was, do the same kind the, of disturbing sound effect that they did in the right, version. right I remember that sound right yeah nice are these anti-wave anti-wave have you used but, a metaphor well, that's I'm going to argue that it is anti-wave in that sense. Agreed. Um, well, here you go. This will this will yeah. springboard a conversation. My version is much more anti-wave than yours because of so the too. ending. Yeah. And I think even if you take away the ending of mine, it does make it more anti-wave. But I still feel like it's a Hollywood movie. I agree. I mean, in the 1950s, it just kind of felt very. Mm, that's those kind of horror movies, the sci-fi movies that were coming out. Twilight Zoney. I mean, it was predated to Twilight Zone, but that kind of feel of yes. the movie. Yes. Uh, that stuff was not uncommon in the right. 1950s. So I'm going to say my film was probably, I, I do like the heavy metaphor talking about the, the McCarthy era uh, communism. I, I'm going to give mine about a four. 
would you give yours? A little bit more. And I want to say that my version, the 78 version, was more, had a lot of A stars. Hmm. And I don't know if that's, we've always discussed if that's an anti wave element or mm-hmm. not. But with Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams was in it, Veronica Cartwright and so on, Kevin McCarthy. Don Siegel was in the film. And Philip Kaufman also has a cameo. Look at all these cameos. Phil, he put himself in there. He, he's a bum. He's a bum. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I'll give mine a little bit higher uh-huh. because of the ending. So you're at four, and I'm probably hovering. 4.1? I'm going to say 6.3. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What? They're great movies. I'm suggesting that maybe for next week we should do the same thing but flip it. I'll do that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Ooh, Ira. Ira. You should just watch the 1956 version. I could just do that on my own. Yeah. yeah. And you can watch You're allowed, you know. And you can watch the 78 version. Yeah. I'm not going to watch it. I hate movies. Uh, me too. I don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Who died this week? I got to tell you, unfortunately, most of the following people, they didn't turn to dust. We lost the following people in the entertainment industry the last seven days. Uh, Gerald Hyken, 93-year-old American actor. He was in the movie Reds. Yeah. And- and Invitation Gunfighter. What? Oh, you didn't like that, that movie. movie. Jerry Douglas was an 84-year-old American director and writer. He did a lot. Did you see Reds? No, I wouldn't Save see yourself that a lot of time. It's long. Isn't it long? Oh, yeah. And nothing fucking happens either. Just a bunch of talking yeah. and bullshit and like, yeah. oh, we're going to revolt. And then they never really do anything. It's like Warren Beatty and uh, yeah. what's, what's, her what's her name? Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I, we the lost. only redeeming, halfway redeeming stuff is Jack Nicholson when he's in it, but. Who's anyway. the female that you're checking that right yeah, now, aren't you? While you're doing that, Jerry Douglas was a four-year-old. Diane Mer- Keaton. That's it. I want to say that Jerry Douglas did lots and lots of gay porn films, uh, director, writer. So yeah, he did. We we say we wish him well. Julie Strain, 54-year-old American actress. She was in Heavy Metal 2000, and um, and Stacy Title, 56-year-old American film director, uh, The Bye Bye Man, The Last Supperhood of Horror. Peter Mark Richman. Can I say something real please, quick? Please. I've never seen either of the heavy metal movies. Have you ever seen those? No. No. Yeah. It's I, it's definitely one of those I, I need to see it. It's still on my list. Got it. Well, yeah. I'll you get know around the, to it. The animated movies? I know. It, yeah, I know. The naked ladies and the boobies? Oh, really? Yeah. It's animation? Yeah. I like anime. Mark Peter Mark Richmond, 93-year-old, 93-year-old American actor. He was in Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. So the Muppets take Manhattan, right? And Jason, mm-hmm. take that'd be a good double bill. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this last week. There was confusion when she died, Jessica Campbell. You know, you're going to know who this person was. She was in the movie Election, and she was the other obnoxious student running for office. Mitzker was her last name and she was really angry with our, our lead and she was only 38 years old. She's also in Freaks and Geeks and she died young. And we also lost Betty White. Let's talk about this. What? On her 99th birthday. Robert, the fuck Robert, out of here. I know, it just happened. She was blowing out all 90, well, the 90, 100 candles because they put an extra one in for another life. So, uh, and she took a deep another breath. Another life for another year. Another, another what did I say? At her life. age, it's say, like they're, they're both the same thing. No, she blew all the candles out, all 100 candles, and she was so exhausted. God love her. Her face fell into the cake, and people laughed. Get the they fuck out of she here. She was doing shtick. She's dead. So she gets this huge honor of being both the coroner's corner. It figures and Betty White would go can- out like that. Yeah. And the candle corner. Wow. She's in the birthday as well as the death and her birthday the same day. The same instant was her birthday and her death. 
Betty White dead at 99. That's insane. Wait, the- I want to tell you something. Please. I, j- I mentioned Diane Keaton is in Reds, right? Yeah, yeah. I've always had this problem of confusing Diane Keaton with, with Diane, Diane Weist. White Weist? Oh, really? Well, they kind of... I, I like Weist. Is it Weist? Yeah. I like her a whole lot better. Diane Keaton gets on my nerves. She does? Yeah. But she was so cute in Annie Hall where she wore a tie. Uh, that scene and, and excluded. I know, I know, That's I know, about I know. it, right? And, and the way she go, um, uh, yeah, you know that cute dialogue banter. Is she a great actress? No, no. Personality. She also just she just seems like annoying. Yeah. I couldn't be in a, a long car ride with her. Ah, fucking get me out of here. But they there is something similar about them, right? They both have a kind of um, frumpy, 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 yeah. There's a similarity, and they have the same name. Yeah. Yeah. Not the last name, but just the first name. No, it's the same first and last name. <laughs> well, Diane Weist. Who would you rather have she, sex with? Weiston. Which one would you rather have sex with? Weist, for sure. Yeah. Other birthdays besides Betty White. Wait, can I put it in her armpit? What? Can I put it in her armpit? Put what in her armpit? It. It. Let me just rattle off a few names for okay. you. Steven Soderbergh, your boy, Robert. What? Yes, it's his birthday. Turned 58. Happy birthday. Happy Lawrence Kazan, 72. Faye Dunaway, 80. Margaret O'Brien is still alive, uh, 83. And I want to say something. Yeah. A fan of our show who's been on our show, Eric, directed her. He oh. directed her in a feature film, which I'm also in, called Frankenstein Rising. How I about directed that? her, too. In? Well, we were at a traffic intersection. I was like, go this way. <laughs> John Carpenter, 73. And, of course, poor Betty White, 99. Dead. Wow. Hey, man, do you want to do some top five? And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Top five this week is top five. Uh, uh, out, out, out to get you. Out to get you. Out to get you movies. I out don't think we ya. have to have a discussion well, about so. this or our defining I, terms. But we kind both... of gets into chase movies. Kind yes, it of. does. It does. But I've got some that aren't chase movies. I do, too. Yeah. And um, and I made a concerted effort, like we just said, to not include either of the two primary films we discussed. Yeah, I did not. I, put them I on also my made list. a concerted effort to not put on films that I really wanted to put some on. One of them I just had to. I was like, I can't not do this and coming to get you a movie. And I'm I'm going to kick it off first. And and that's that, going to be your number five. That's my number it? five. Yeah, 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 yeah. From 2015, Mad Max Fury Road. I have to put. I mean, they're coming to get in the whole freaking movie. That's what the movie <laughs> is. They're coming to get you. So I have to put that in. But a lot of the other movies, um, the movies like Heat, for example, I did not put on my top five list, even though I really wanted to. It, it's coming to get them the whole time, like out to get you kind of movies. You know what I mean? I do. And when you really broaden the definition, there's a lot of them. Right. Too many. It's almost Maybe. almost too many. But yes. Yeah. Wow. You but I get some good ones coming. Eat. You yeah. do, don't you? Well, my number five is a bit of an embarrassment because it's such an obvious gimme, and it's not—it's not elevated thinking, but I'm going to say it anyway. In Independence Day. Oh. Now, yeah, I know. I like. Come on, Ira, you can do better. They're out to get them. Well, they are, and the aliens are out to get us. Yeah, that's what so I mean. both sides are out to get. Oh, and yeah. We're, yeah. So we're. Uh, by the way, Independence Day. We know the ninety-six. Right. No, yeah, yeah, ninety-six. Nineteen ninety-six. Uh, Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, once again. And, um, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Ran- yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Randy Quaid. And uh, that was directed by that weird guy, Roland, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, he Emmerich. does a lot of those yeah. movies. That's my number five. All right. My list will get better. My number four 
My list gets better, too. Are we going to overlap? No. No, we're not. You're that certain, are you? Positive. Whoa. Positive. (laughs) I'll prove you wrong. 2006. Do you have anything from 2006? Say the title. Apocalypto. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't even seen Apocalypto. That's my number four. It's your number four. We overlap. (laughs) Robert, we're overlapping. That's my number four. Oh. You just like it because it's Mel Gibson. It, well, he's not even in it. Oh, but what do you do? He directed. He directed. Yeah. It. Okay. Go ahead. But have you seen the movie? No. It's um. So the whole movie is about a a guy in the rainforest of South America, South America, who gets kind of kidnapped by this like larger tribe, and he's kind of sold into slavery, and he's brought to the temple, and he is um. He's going to be sacrificed, and they're sacrificing all of these people. There's just a line and just a bloodbath, chopping their heads off, and it's just the blood is running down the temple, and they're just killing like person after person after person. And then there is a huge solar eclipse, and everything stops. And they say, "Okay, no, we don't need to do any more sacrifices." But he's already he was like next in line, and so they um, have him. They set him loose, but they're going to hunt him down. And so the next half of the movie is him running back to his village, trying to evade the people that are kind of after him. And uh, and they're out to get you. Like, they're the whole movie, they're trying to get this guy, and he's running for his life. It's really cool. It's an action movie. It's great action. And along the way, little things that happen on, on the journey to the temple kind of pay off in the last half of the movie. It's really well done. Hmm. Underrated apocalypse. Underrated, probably because of who directed it. Who directed it? Uh, yeah, Mel. Mel. Huh. No, that can be a reason why at first there's a resistance. Yeah, I, think so. yeah. I think so. Yeah. What do you got? What's your number four? My number four. I did a little bit of flipping at the last minute, but my number four is, and it's a movie I've mentioned before, and I think it holds up. But people compared it to the two movies we've been discussing, The Invasion, mm. and I wanted to include that. And I know you're not familiar with it, with Nicole Kidman. Seen it. Hmm. I don't think I've seen it, have I? No, yeah. no, you didn't see it. So I'm going to say the year of 2007, and uh, Nicole Kidman. It's the same base. And by the way, you know who had in writing the uh, had a hand in writing the dialogue was the Wachowski brothers, sisters, oh. brothers, sisters. Those guys. <laughs> those guys. Oh, those guys. Those guys. And again, it's the same thing with the pods and taking over. And you know, as I watched, I thought this movie is it's a solid. It does what it, but it was. Not mocked, but people kind of pushed it away because it was an obvious remake of the other the other three Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Because the one we're not talking about is called Body Snatchers. So there were actually four. But this Invasion, uh, the Invasion 2007 with Nicole is my number four. I'm going to keep that train rolling. Yeah. Because my movie is from 1982, The Thing, which is similar where... Um, and, and I felt like in in a situation which version? Yeah, I know the I 1982 know. version. You said that. Go yeah. ahead, John Carpenter version. Yes, yes. The, the you can't have a movie about like replicants. You can have a, a conversation about movies of replicants and people being replaced by pod people without talking about the thing. It's yeah. so freaking good. Yeah. Um, oddly, no women in this movie. As right? it should be. <laughs> um. But I, I do like that they didn't shoehorn a woman in there. Yes, like we've seen in other movies. That was yeah. one of the problems yeah. with Greyhound. The... Yes. 
And it was like, what the? So obvious. Why are you doing that? What was it? Oh, Tom was having lunch or dinner with his girl. Yeah. So obvious. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The sequel did that. That was one of the problems that they were like, we got to get a female in here. Yeah. And the sequel wasn't bad. It was okay. But the, I mean, the first one is so good. It, it plays up all this tension and the creatures are, are fantastic. That movie holds up real, real well. If anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen The Thing, 1982, John Carpenter, go see that. that. That's a really, that's one of Carpenter's best, if not his best. What do you got? What's your number I'm still three? blown away by the fact that Carpenter directed Starman, yeah. which was a really sweet, romantic road movie. Yeah. Same director. It's just interesting to me. Uh, my number, th- uh, what is my number three? Yeah. Yeah. Get Out. Get Out. Okay. Yeah. That's I like I knew you'd like that one. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's my number two. No, it's not. What a fucked up movie. It really is. It's yeah. it's good. By the way, the year of Get Out is? Uh, it was 2017. Yeah. You're, right, yeah, you're nailing it, 2017. And uh, the whole thing with the, uh, the bringing the white girlfriend, uh, the white girlfriend bringing the black uh, fiance, boyfriend. Oh, was he black? Yeah, I think he played the little. Oh, I don't, I don't see color. Yeah. I don't see <laughs> race. You know, I said that to my, I had to share a locker in gym class and it came up in conversation with my folks saying, and this, this was the time where we would talk that way. And my parents said, um, is, is, is the person white or black? And I actually said, I don't remember. And they just looked at each other. I was trying to be cool. Uh Like I'm above that. And they just like thought I was fucking crazy. Like, come on, come on, stop that. Will you? So it was just, it's interesting now recounting that story that my folks asked that question and B, my silly attempt at being noble and self-realized. We can see how far that went. <laughs> anyway, Get Out. And again, what a, what a fucked up movie that is. And that's my, that's my number three. My number two, you're going to be proud and oh. then you're going to be ashamed. Not ashamed, but you're going to be mad that I went with this. Oh, jealous. Not jealous. Well, you're going to be... You're gonna go yes, and you're gonna be for a second. You're I'll gonna, be pissed that I didn't come up with no, it. No, for a minute, for a minute. Yeah, and then I'm gonna say something, and you're gonna go, oh, whoa, All right. this is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's like a double whammy mm-hmm. here. There's like a two ira reaction. Prepare for the emotional roller coaster. So first it's the right? wowie zowie, mm-hmm. but then you're gonna watch me pull up and go. Now wait a minute. Out to get your movies. Ready? Yeah. Number two, Lord of the Flies. Wow. The 1990 version. I know you like the remake. Yeah. You, that, and I like the original more. Right. That's that's why. That's the part that's where the I'm going to pull back a little bit. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say the original, which right. is a better movie. No, that's that's You wrong. predict me very well. <laughs> Go ahead. Out to get you. Yeah. They're out to get them. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. whole last... Yeah. I mean, the whole movie, they're out to Jack get them. Jack and Piggy. And you know, Ralph is like running Ralph. through the yeah. through the jungle, and yeah. they're like burning the jungle. And yeah. They, in the, the last shot where they, um, they're at the feet of the, the, the sea captain. captain. like, what the, the fuck captain. are you guys doing yeah. out here? Yeah. And it's like, they're going to kill you. They're out to get you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's and really the good. The divisions. You yeah, know, I wish you picked happen. the original one, but that's, yep. but that's really good. What a metaphor. Mm-hmm. What a metaphor. That a, movie. How fragile civilization. I saw, that, I saw the, the 1990 version at the right time in my life. Like I was the right age for that movie. And it really affected me in a very deep way. Like it was, it was the first movie that I remember seeing that had layer and subtext to it. And like, um, it wasn't just 
popcorn. It was like, this means something. Mm-hmm. Like this. Wait, are you talking about the remake or the original? The remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't see the original until years later. And it was good. I didn't mind the original, but I think what I liked was that the, the remake was trying to be more... Pop culture. It was. It, it was pop culture because it, it had this, the Star Wars. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it had like um, comments about like I wonder if Alf is on right now, you know. And it was and you like that? Huh? I did yeah. because it, it felt more like this is what it's kids would be doing. Kids would say yeah. right, right. And and I felt like the original was a little more true to the novel, mm-hmm. but um, but I like the fact that that they're like, man, we what, if we're sitting on a, on an island, we probably would be having these kind of conversations. Yeah, right, right. That's interesting, Robert. Yet for me, the pop culture references, I don't know why, it just pulled me out a little bit. I can get yeah. that. I understand okay, yeah. that. But for me, it worked. Because they yeah. weren't forced. They were mm-hmm. organic to what was going on. Mm-hmm. All right. What you got? What's your number two? Number two. I mentioned it earlier. When we are talking about a different film. Um, Clint Eastwood directing Play Misty for me. Mm-hmm. Now, wait. Okay. You're going to remind me what... I've seen it. Okay, this was again Clint's it's in directorial the house, debut, right? There was like yeah, in the house. Oh yeah, the house. And the whole last third is is in the house with Jessica Walter, where he is a disc jockey in Monterey is is being stalked by a woman, and uh, right. the same thing is Fatal Attraction. By the way, right? They're really similar. They're so similar in storyline, and it was a good, solid movie where she was out to get him, out to get you, as she was obsessed with him. And it was, uh, again, Clint's uh, directorial, directorial debut and uh, that wonderful song, The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face. First time ever I saw... Remember that? No. Oh, never mind. No. Uh, that was throughout the whole film. And that's my number two, Play Misty for Me, 1971. All right. My number one, I'm real proud of. I don't know if you've seen it, but I think you'd really dig it. 2011, The Gray. No. I never heard of it. This was a Liam Neeson movie. Um, and people who've seen it are probably laughing right now. Very similar kind of concept to The Thing, but it's a group of people who are at the North Pole, and they're leaving uh, the North Pole. They've like been doing this um, construction uh, up in the North Pole, and Liam Neeson's job is a... His job is is like kind of like a sniper, like a star- sharpshooter, to kill wolves as they start coming in because there's um, the wolves will come attack the crew members. So they're wrapping things up, and for one reason or another, I can't remember what happens to them, but basically they get stranded there, and it's a group of like seven guys, and this pack of wolves is hunting them down, and they're like slowly, methodically, like picking people off, and they're kind of talking about how intelligent these. Um, these wolves are and it's kind of like a you know horror movie that people get get picked off and the final scene is so badass it's so good i'll go ahead and ruin it for you but liam neeson is you know the last survivor right everybody else is dead and they've been drinking these like little bottles of whiskey like little miniature flight bottles or whatever and he takes a bunch of them and he breaks them uh, like busts them up and puts them between his fingers and then tapes it to his fingers. So he's got like yeah, knives yeah, on his yeah, fists. Yeah. And there's a, I think it's after the credits or maybe the, the last shot is like the main wolf. Cause all the wolves are dead except for the main wolf and Liam Neeson. And they're like, all right, let's go. Ah. And that's like the, you don't see the fight. You don't, I mean, they've, they've been fighting off and on for the whole climax, but I think it's after the credits. There's like a, all right, 
Let's do it. That's so <laughs> they kind cool. of square off. It's so, I mean, it's cheesy, but it's done really well. I really so like that, the like, grave. We talked about endings of movies. So the very end yeah. is just. It's one of those like. Yes, we talked off. about that. Yep. We've talked, talked about that with other movies that yep. just abruptly stop, which is really raw and cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's done really well. You'd like it. Yeah. You'd really like that movie. The, what's it called? The Gray? The Gray. Yeah. This is when Liam Neeson got into that phase of like after Taken and like where he started doing these action movies. Yes. He's like, what the fuck are you doing in this action movie? And why is it good? It was that kind of, it was that phase. So his wife was killed when right. she died, right? Yeah. I, th- I think there, that was the only, sh- again, no, no women are in the movie except for, I think there's a, there's flashback scenes with him and his wife and he's like, thinking that he's with her and then he kind of gets transported to be back to like the North Pole and he's like, fuck, I'm here again. Huh. I think I'd like this movie. Yeah, you'd like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. you dig it. What nice. do you got? What's your number hey, one? You're right in your prediction of no overlapping. My number one film is Oh, a I very... thought you had uh, Apocalypto. <laughs> the Grey. Uh, this is a powerful movie for me and I don't think I've ever mentioned it before. And we've been confused on this title, Invaders from Mars. Okay. There's confusion on that. This, and I, let me say the year, 1953. This movie with the kid. Wait, looked, are you talking about Mars Attacks? No. I knew Which actually was a send-up in some regard about... No, okay, yeah. no. This is Invaders from Mars, and there were a couple of Invaders from Mars. This is the one where the kid in his bedroom is looking out the window, and he sees a flying saucer hovering, and it goes under, this, under the quicksand and is gone. And nobody believes him. Was he sleeping? Was he dreaming? And all of a sudden, the friendly doctor in the town isn't the doctor anymore. He seems emotionless. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Also, the police commissioner. Everything's okay, Timmy. You're going to be fine. And when he goes underground, and we see the aliens, the Martians that are slowly taking over. One Funny how t- they always start with the people of power. They never start with like the local <laughs> bomb or boring as hell. It actually be a whole lot better. Figures. At that point, I wouldn't mind. That's if, very if funny. If you could take an, an insane person who's out on the yeah. on the street screaming and replace him with an alien so they're all super calm and docile i'd be like hey invaders you should come (laughs) this movie had a profound effect on me in 1953 and at that time because it was shown a lot in the late afternoon when kids would watch it when they go home uh channel nine showed it monday tuesday wednesday thursday it was weird it was weird it was they were in barbara and there was a line in there where nobody believes him and he's running through these tunnels going colonel fielding colonel fielding and then in school we'd all say to each other colonel fielding colonel fielding because everyone this movie's been drummed into us over and over again and it's the aliens the underground tunnels and then the last scene it was a dream. Go back to sleep, Timmy. It's okay. It's okay. But something's wrong now with mom and with dad. They seem cold and emotionless. And he looks out the window. And once again, he sees the same flying saucer hovering and going underground. Was it a dream? Me don't think so. Invaders from Mars, 1953, out to get you. Ira, you just took me right there. I felt like I was in, in the 1950s. Are you making watching. fun of me? No. No, actually, you're not. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. That's good. It's it's just oof, gave me the heebie-jeebies. Do you think aliens have visited the the, um, the Earth? are they among us? Yeah, are they among us? What do you think? Oh man, am I fa- you hate it when I get wishy washy? You I hate do. that quality yeah. about me, and I'm I'm so tempted. I'm really open minded. Are they among us? In fact, sometimes sometimes I really think that not only are they among us, but we are the descendants of that. Some people from another planet, people creatures, they landed here and they had a little picnic and they lo- left a piece of rye bread and ham and a little piece of bacon. That's us. 
the molecules went nuts, and we are that. The, the bacon turned into the Jews. Jews, the saying. Jews, right. There's your irony. That's why they don't eat pork. Do you, do you think we're among us? I'm, o- I'm so. open. You're not. You don't think. No. But do you think they're out there? I think there is life out there. I don't know if there is intelligent life. Right? I mean, if there's bacteria on another planet. There's no real way to communicate with it. There probably is intelligent life somewhere, but the chances of communicating are just so remote. It's so, so far. It's so far. I, I think we want it to be true. We want it to be true, but of course they're more intelligent than we are, and they got here so fast they were able to have a craft that goes through light and time and space and all other dimensions. Or, or not. Or, just, or, or not. I mean, or they just live on their planets and then die. Now, what's this we've been hearing that the federal government is going to release some of the top secret UFO sighting reports? They're not going to do that. And they're going to pull, pull up some bullshit stuff. But, you know, a lot of these things that you like the Air Force has been seeing a lot of these UFOs. Yeah. A lot of that stuff. Those are drones, man. Those drones. What can, about like, before drones with the astronauts? They're noticing but, lights in the sky. How do you know when drones began? I mean, a lot of stuff is top secret. Right. So um, that area that. Air, who knows what's going Rock, on with Air Force Rock, experimentation? Roswell. Roswell. Yeah, Roswell, Roswell was where the Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah, was where the landing was. Area Fifty One is where supposedly they have all the aliens. And- Can you imagine though that if they got here and they are intelligent, we're going to make the argument they're smarter than we are because they came here before we were able to get to them. And the first thing they say is, "There's no God." What that would do to our institutions? They would crumble. The church would crumble uh, if aliens who got here first are smarter than we are because they know more than we do because they were able to get here first and they say god oh you silly little people of course you invented that nonsense i don't think it changes it and anything. maybe that's why they're keeping it secret because our institutions would crumble what if they came here and said there is a god it's us yeah. that oh would, now that was a twilight would, zone episode no. yeah that was yeah, yeah that would change the things. ultimate computer that knows every morsel of information and they finally no isaac asimov wrote that as a short story and they asked it with live tv watching is there a god and the computer clicks and whistles and hisses and it spits out the answer and it says there is now. 42 wait 42 what was that that's from the hitchhiker's guide to yeah, the galaxy yeah you know that yeah. I love you know that. but the ending was there is now that's what the computer says because it knows every morsel of information that we've created that God. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think religion would falter. You don't think our no. institutions would crumble? No, because I think they would say, well, you're just wrong. Just because you, you know this one thing doesn't mean you know the other I'm thing. not from this planet. Yeah, I know. You've known that all along. You're out of this world. I'm, I'm, not, I'm here to visit you and understand the, the mating habits of human beings. <laughs> you still can't I'm figure here, him out? I still don't understand and report back about people who go on dates. Ira, people who go on dates. You are an expert and on the mating habits of, of Ameri- that, And I have to go now and report back. Human beings. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I think, first of all, I think we're safe. And I think that, I don't think anybody's going to reveal anything that's, um, that's earth shattering. Everyone wants it. They want it to be true. They're, it's it's again talk about confirmation bias it's um the government is lying to you until they tell you that there are aliens here so if the, if the government tells you there's but there's no aliens then you're like okay you're just lying it's like, okay well, yeah i know <laughs> why not why can't we be the smartest ones in the universe right right why not right i mean think of how many things had to have happened for there to be a life form that created a ship to travel off of the planet. Right. 
So the I mean, odds of that are infinitesimally small. That's what you're saying because yeah. the planet has to be the right distance from the sun and have the right temperature and moisture and clouds for water and all these variables Not have to, to mention, come together. So that you're making look, an argument that we're the, the only intelligent of, being in the of the vast majority of life on this planet. Yes. How However, long has life been the around? counter argument is that there are so many stars in the universe that for every grain of sand on the planet and if each one has, let's just say, seven planets circling, there's got to be one planet out there that has the right temperature, that's cooled off properly, that has enough rainwater sure. and so on to have life evolve that's even more intelligent than we are and maybe they're watching us. Well, okay, then is there life on a different planet that is more intelligent than that? Is there a life on yet another planet that's more intelligent than that? I mean, at some point you have to stop, right? At some point you have to say, out of all of these these planets, because they're not infinite, there's they are finite, but there's... A lot of There's them. There's so many. That, yeah. Where does so it, why can't we be the top? Yeah, yeah. Why can't we be the ones that are like, we're actually the spearhead? Yeah. There is other life out there. It just hasn't figured out how to get off the planets. What about that? I'm going to have to put on my tinfoil cap and talk to my alien friends. And All right. You do that. You come back to me. Remember that Twilight Zone episode, To Serve Man? Mm -hmm. Of course you know that. It's a cookbook. That was fucking clever. Soy green is people. Oh, so that's the same thing. The same ending. Yeah. They're yeah. pod people. Yeah, they're pod. Yeah, yeah. All these like screaming in the streets. Yeah, yeah. It's a trope. Yeah. It's a trope. You got any, uh, any oh, extra scoops? scoops. Well, you know, I came up with the cliche ones that I decided not to include. Thank you for remembering, reminding yeah. to do that. Obviously, Out to Get You would include Jaws. Mm hmm Friday the 13th franchise, yeah. Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. All yeah. those would be yeah. out to get you. What do you have? Um, I've got Night of the Living Dead That's and good. Dawn of the Dead. You know yeah, I love the Dawn yeah, of the yeah, Dead. Movie. Yeah. I mentioned before Heat. How about this one? As this one is real close to making my top five. Black Hawk Down. Ah. Where they're stuck. Do you, did you see Black Hawk no, Down? No. You know the premise of like there's a helicopter that crashes and the guys go in to kind of retrieve the, uh, the pilots oh. who were there. And then they wind up kind of getting surrounded and it's right. just like this – hornet's nest and they can't get out and all of these people are like the insurgents are coming and coming and coming and they're they have to like basically fight their way out all night long and they can't get out wow Catherine bigelow was she the director no yes she was no it was tony scott am i wrong yeah oh Catherine bigelow did the hurt locker That's oh yeah what you're thinking of. oh black hawk down hurt locker Totally different movies. Totally different hey, countries. Hey, work, work with me here. Totally different oh, continents I can tell you where I, they took place. She made the good version of, um, you know, the surfing movie with the FBI guys. Come on. Don't do this with me. You know what are I'm you, talking are about. You ta are you talking about Point Break? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, she directed. No, the second one is better. No, she did the... second one is way better. You're fucking with me. You're just fucking with me. I'm not buying it. I'm not as naive as Utah. I used to be. Give me two. I think you liked me more when I was naive. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, that about does it, right? That did we do it? We did it. This hey man, fun. if people yeah. want to uh, give us uh, their uh, coming to get you movies, what can they do? They can reach out to us through email. Oh, where Our email is Robert at antiwavepodcast dot com, oh. or and slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast dot com, or you can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Just like the pods, we are all over the place. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I give that a B. Fuck you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on uh, on what? On Google Podcast Music. I haven't mentioned that one in a while. Spotify. Uh, iHeartRadio. Just go to our website. Dose a few bucks over Patreon. Help keep the sprocket holes moving. Ira. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way. Yeah. Write us a review. Yeah. Yeah. Rate and review in the iTunes store. That really helps. What? 
rate and review in the, the iTunes, ice cream store ice cream? iTunes I, iTunes in the iTunes store or the ice cream I store I said the ice cream you know, store you know go to the ice cream store like and write a some, review for I'd our like podcast to have some goobers you remember goobers little speckles that go on top of your ice cream never mind reviews really do help us so we think go to Baskin Robbins yeah, write a review yeah, yeah, for our okay, podcast yeah. Uh, next going week, on next week, what, we're going to watch. What we're doing. No, you have to. No, tell us what, no. Did no. you write it down? No, you did. Fuck. Pro- promising something, women. Come on, you didn't write it down. No, you wrote Robert, it down. De- you can't depend on me. You everything. came in and pitched it. I pitched it, but I, oh wait, just a minute. Promising young. Oh, that title. Promising young women. And that's why it's, you wanted to do this one. It's a thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting some interesting reviews. We're All gonna right. do that one next week. Promising young women. All right, so we're gonna talk about that next week. Let's give producer Joey a round of applause. Yeah, doing a good job there. What do we want to do now? Oh, uh, I want to end the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, I was hoping we could do two. Let's do I'm sorry, one. I just mm-hmm. fell asleep. What? Just, Robert, uh, Robert, are you okay? Yes, I am. Oh my fine. God, Robert. Robert, it's me, Ira. Yes. You look different. You sound different. Yes, I mean, I know. it looks like you. It sounds like you, but you seem you seem emotionless. Mm. Are you one of them? Maybe. Oh no! Which ending should we do? Well, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, but until next week, keep watching movies, and we'll help you sort them out. <laughs>